episode of the tome show is brought to you by noble knight where out of print is available again and listeners like you thanks for using the tomes amazon and D classics affiliate links hey this is mike merles lead developer of fourth edition and you're listening to the tome welcome to the tome a DD news reviews and interview show and i'm your tome host jeff griner and I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 240, we're going to get things started right with the first product of the 5th edition of D&D, the starter set. Oh, there's no, like, enthusiasm in that, Tracy. We're going to get this started right, yo! Let's go! <laughs> it's a new edition! It might have been running five, uh, already having run five sessions of... <laughs> the starter set at least the very first part four of the four times well we wanted to make sure you had a really good opportunity to get a feel for it before you reviewed it yeah no exactly yeah. Uh, and joining us in this episode speaking of people who are our perfect reviewers uh our senior editor sam Dillon. Yay. hello and one of the hosts of the behind the dm screen podcast mike shea hello uh, we plan That's to bring far in... from perfect. <laughs> the behind the DM screen is not really about perfection. It's not our not not our thing. If you want perfection, visit slyflourish.com slash book. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, we plan to try to bring this whole team back. I don't know if I mentioned that to you guys. Um, <laughs> but we're going to plan to plan to bring you guys back along with James Intracaso from the Roundtable, who couldn't join us today because he hasn't read the starter set because he's playing in my, one of Mike's games of it and didn't want to read yeah. ahead for the spoilers. What a nice guy! Um, right. But so the plan is to bring all all five of us back for each of the core books over the next few months to examine the new edition um, in, of the world's most popular role playing game here on the world's best D and D podcast. Awesome. Sweet. I'm game. Yeah, I'm in. Awesome. But before we get started on this, uh, we should remind you about our most supportive sponsor ever, Noble Knight. They're great. They provide a great service, and they have said nothing but nice things about us. All thanks to the fact that you guys keep mentioning us when you shop at Noble Knight. So big thanks to you guys as well. And our pick for the episode is, of course, the starter set. So let's get into it. And if you like, find a link in the show notes to buy it on Noble Knight. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, Noble Knight is a brick-and-mortar game store. Support small businesses that also exists online. Open 24-7 on the web. They have D&D and other cool RPGs. Any edition, any game. Even out-of-print products. And at a discounted price. Out of control! Have a bunch of old game products collecting dust? Dangerous allergens! Noble Knight will buy the old stuff you aren't using anymore. Looking at you, Indiana Jones RPG! So go to noblenight.com and get by it and sell it. Take back your life! And tell them the Tone Show sent you! Alright, let's get into this. Who wants to start off by telling us what the starter set is? It's not a player's handbook. It's not a DMG. It's not a monster manual. It's this weird other thing that's <laughs> kind of the core, but kind of not the core. It's not that weird. Mike, what is the starter set? No. Um, Tracy, what is the starter set? <laughs> <laughs> it's the set. Well, let me tell you, Jeff. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll let you finish in a moment. But it's the set at which you start. Oh, that is weird. Wow. Now, Mike, did That's you want to explain what the starter set is? Well, I mean, I, I don't find it that weird because it, it seems to be sort of the the core product for D&D. It is, as far as many people are concerned, Dungeons & Dragons in the box. 
So it's the one set that contains, you know, and I'm almost reading like the, the blurb on the back of the box, the one set that contains everything you need in order to sit down and actually play Dungeons and & Dragons. And, and that's true, I think, as long as you don't want to build anything for yourself. I'm, I disagree. There's no monsters. Yes, there is. Outside of the ones that are used in that specific adventure. Which is a lot of, which is which a lot of monsters. Which is but a decent they don't number. have descriptions. Um, and, and there's no character creation, so you have to use their pregens. Uh, uh, yes, that's true. Although with, with basic uh, D&D right. available for free on their website, you can do character creation there. Right, right. Um, and I also know that technically you don't need graph paper to play. But I've seen quite a few people online complain about the, like that there are no minis at all, no tokens. Yeah, well, that's uh, a whole topic. Yeah, that, I don't <laughs> yeah. feel like that's needed. I think, I think, Mike, I think your description is right on. This, I mean, you could, and I think that's the point of the product. You can throw this box at somebody. It's it's twenty bucks or less, depending on where you buy it. You can throw this box at somebody and say, "This is what D and D is." Read these things, play through this stuff, and it'll teach you how to what D and D is all about. And then, if you're interested, here's all this other stuff out there. Which right, right now, this gets all the focus because that other stuff isn't out there yet, right? The player's right. handbook hasn't released, the DMG hasn't released, the monster manual doesn't release. So, right. Yeah, and in a year, it's going to be a totally different playing field, right? Like, we're paying a lot of attention to the way it is right now, where this is the only product you can walk into a store and buy that's part of D&D 5th Edition. But that environment is going to be very different in a year because they're going to have not only the core books, they're going to have, you know, we can assume a slew of products, and this will be one of them. Have we heard, do they intend on keeping the starter set uh, available in perpetuity? You know, they said that with the other stuff, though, and it wasn't, so... I mean, if that they would be. Did, would we believe them? Well, I, and, well, and, let's put let's put it this way. I think it will be in print as long as this edition is the current edition. I don't even know that I go that far. Yeah, I would right. say, I would say sure. this I would will either. be in print as long as it makes financial sense for them yeah, to print right. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but see, I I think it's meant to be a lost leader in the first place. No, no, no. It, 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 and I think it can be, but that's still. Do you think fin- it is a loss leader? It's, it's, it still financially makes sense. Well, I think right now it's not a loss leader because it's the only thing making them money. But I think once the, the focus moves to the core, this is going to be the sort of, you know, it doesn't matter if they make money on it. The point of it is to get people in to buy right. this product, to get them to then further buy the core. I think if they lose $2 in every box that they sell, they're, they're then, then, they, then they would keep. Then they would keep. I don't think it they're losing because they're. I don't no. think they're. No, no, losing. I don't think they're either. But I think if they were losing two dollars in every box that they sell, they would keep publishing it. But if it got as high as five dollars or whatever, then maybe they would mm-hmm. stop. You know, or the sales just weren't big enough to to justify another print run or whatever. Yeah, they could uh, also sit back, and I think they did this with fourth edition. Didn't fourth edition have two different starter sets? Yep. So mm-hmm. they could they could get halfway through a yeah. you know a cycle. That's they could, true. They could release. They could make a, a new one and yeah. say, hey. Yeah. This is a new one that we're creating based on what we've yeah. learned. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like specifically, especially if the game does change as it lives, uh, yeah. I could see them doing a different starter set. Hmm. Although, uh, spoiler for the rest of what I want to talk about, I really like this one. Uh, it's really good. So I would kind of be sad to see it go away and not huh? be the th- the people you know the the first experience with D and D. Hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what <laughs> Tracy didn't sound like she yeah, was agreeing. We'll get, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with Tracy. I'm going to, hmm, let me get a hmm in there because I'm not sure I agree with you. Okay, either. okay. Um, so let's talk about what's actually in it. So you got a, uh, the, the box that you open it up. It's got the, the Lost Mine of Fandelver uh, Adventure in it. It's got the starter set rule book with just sort of a, the sort of the quick start rules of the new edition. It's got a handful of pregens. How many pregens are there? There's five. Five pregens on on not quite cardstock, not quite pretty, pretty good paper though. Yeah, it's it's a relatively thick paper. Um, you've got an ad, but on the back of the ad is the a blank character sheet, so you could f- use it for photocopying and making um, making characters. And then it's got a you know. A big chunk of cardboard in it to fill up space because it only because all this the product only fills up a fraction of the box. Right, and I think they I thought I saw somewhere dice? that they said that was on purpose. Um, oh yeah, that's certainly their spin. 
Yeah, they right? said it was on purpose so that you could uh, print out the basic PDF and throw it in there, that or, you could, yeah, add all or throw in, in pencils and extra yeah. paper and all that kind of stuff, and just have it in one box. I think yeah. that's I think that's spin though, because I think it's just an issue of boxes come in relatively standard sizes, and if you try to pick something more custom, then it's probably more expensive. It, it may be spin, but I actually did that. Like I ran a I ran a game at a local store here last weekend, and I threw in my my Ziploc bag full of tokens from the D and D Monster Vault. A Paizo flip mat, some sure. more dice, oh, yeah. some minis, and I threw it all in the box and just took the box with me. Well, people, well, and, people and have been further, doing this the second edition, right? And, well, yeah, sure. and and further, I would rather have it be this awesome thick cardstock yes. box than one of those crappy Madness at Gardmore Abbey yeah, boxes right. yeah. or those sleeves that the they used sleeves. for like monsters of of Ninterveil. Which just, I just yeah. threw away, you know. Yeah, right. which just right. go in the garbage. So this is at least right. a sturdy box. It'll look nice on your shelf. Yeah. It'll stay relatively in, in decent condition for at least a couple of years, sure. you know, as long as you're not dropping it in puddles and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. M- Mike brought up about the dice, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah did so you guys mention the dice? dice? Yeah. Yeah. I did, and I did not, not mention the dice because I've already taken them out of the box, so I forgot that they were in there. Yeah, they're not bad. I like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we consider review dice, but they're not, they don't feel like <laughs> the cheapest dice you could possibly get. They're all right. I mean... They're, yeah. they're, they're, I mean, they're uh, passable dice. They're pretty marble. There's only marble one D10. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the true. one thing I've heard. Oh, yeah, so you can't do percentiles when there's a lot well, of percentile t- stuff in the game, but right? It tells you in the book to do percentile, you got to roll that D10 twice. Right. It, it actually has a paragraph well, of explanation. Yeah, it does describe really? that. <laughs> yeah, it does. And honestly, you know, I, I hate the, the, ten, the 10 dice. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't Lots actually. Of people don't like that. Oh, I hate them. You know, the the die that that's you know ten through ninety or whatever, yeah. zero to ninety. They bug me. I mean, whatever. It's you know, it's <laughs> dice or dice. Most gamers, or maybe I don't say one. It includes dice. Maybe not. Maybe not in most, but lots of gamers they end up having their own special dice anyway. So that's okay. It includes dice for people who don't have them, or well, right. maybe have never thought about buying them or whatever. And so it's necessary, and it's it works. And, so and remembering the the intended future audience, like I think the current audience of the product is everybody who wants to see what Fifth Edition is all about. Right. But the future audience is anybody who's interested in getting into D and D and can pick up the box at a game. Right. Or a, right. the game of the box. That's what I meant to yep. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which case, you need the dice. Um, so since we're talking materials, um, well, maybe we'll save the pregens for when we talk about the adventure, if it comes up as being relevant there. Are there any other like material sorts of things we want to talk about, or shall we yeah. uh, discuss no, I, I, I the wish books? that they would put a heavier cardstock page on the front of the Yeah, that'd be nice. Books. The, the booklets? Yep. Yeah, they're more like magazine pages, the thick magazine pages, mm-hmm. which are better than really thin, cheapy pages, but I would rather have a cardstock cover. Sure. After so. after running it through the five, approximately three to four hour sessions, it my book is toast. Yeah. yeah. Really? Is it beat up? Yeah, well, particularly because, the at least with the adventure, you have to keep going back to Flipping. the end yeah. to get the monsters. And I got the box at the con, so it wasn't like I could make photocopies or anything like that in advance. Yeah. Yeah, mine. Uh, you I ran think it, did you run it at PAX? Uh, no, I ran it at uh, Kineticon. Kineticon, okay. Yeah, so I I've, I've, think I've run four games. And mine is also getting some folds in it. It's okay. Like, it'll last a good long time. Because I also don't plan on using it nonstop, right? right. Like I yeah, might yeah. use it when I run it, and then I'll probably put it away. But right. um, for now, uh, yeah, it's getting a little worn. But that's okay, it's, you know. Any other materials issue, or can we get into the content? Uh, let's get into the content. All right. Uh, rules book or adventure? Let's do the rule book, because I think the adventure will take up most of our time. Sure. The rules book is meant to be read first anyway, so. Oh, I didn't read it in that order. Darn it. I failed. I was more interested in the story, so I read the adventure first. I hear you don't ever yeah. read the rules anyway, so, you know, whatever. I just make I always, it up as I always let one of my players do it. <laughs> you tell me what it is. Yeah. I don't know what the rules are. Well, I mean, my, for me, I, I really I, – there's only a few things I went in detail on because, of course, I've been playing the playtest and – Keeping right. up, and I read the PDF, and so you know, I already by the time I, I mean, you know, I got the starter box before. I mean, I got the PDF before I got the starter box, so of course, I didn't and have the, to really focus P- on the starter set. I by could the PDF, just, you mean know, the the ba- the D and D basic, <clears throat> the basic, PDF. yeah, the download, yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. not not a PDF I, of this. Product. I didn't. I don't have a premium Watsi Play Network store yeah. close by, so I couldn't get the starter set on July third. I had to wait till the. Till the fifteenth or whatever, and I suppose so. in the interest of full disclosure, I received my copy as a review copy, so I did not pay for mine. Yeah, so. I paid for mine. I paid for mine. 
I I got a review copy and I got a uh, one for free for running. She's got two copies. <laughs> yeah, she's totally Not biased. I gave one. I gave <laughs> the other one to my brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> for the record, I did buy almost a dozen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think yeah. I saw you saying something about that. You bought like twelve of them, and then I bought. And then yeah, I bought eleven, and I gave them away. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is which is one thing. You know, I, I don't know if we want to talk about the price, but I think it's an important topic. Mm-hmm. That you know, I think at, it's twenty dollars in retail, and it's like thirteen bucks on Amazon, mm-hmm. and that's cheap enough that I'm willing to go ahead and buy a bunch of them and give them out to people that I know are interested, but not necessarily playing. And say, even if it ends up in their basement, I only it was thirteen bucks. Right. Right. Where if it was double that, if it had a lot of extra material and cost a lot more, I probably wouldn't have done that. If you give away 10 copies and only get two new groups started out of that. Yeah. Like you've still, I mean. Oh, I got, I think we gave it. So we did give away 12 because Michelle bought one for some friends of ours Mm -hmm. and they're playing with their kids and putting on Facebook and it's a delight to watch. So that one alone was worth it. <laughs> so you, you, right. I'm going I'm to say that you are single-handedly responsible for saving the role-playing community. Thank you. Way to I go. I think I can take credit for that. <laughs> you, you, are, you are a boon to the community. <laughs> I don't think so. So <laughs> the starter set rule book. Um, it is mm-hmm. 30-some pages. What, 32? 30, yeah, 32 pages. Yep, 32 pages. Um, 32 pages, four chapters, how to play, combat, venturing, spellcasting, and an appendix with conditions, which is just a one-page appendix of conditions. Yep. Um, a good chunk of the book is just spells. Spells, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, I would probably say the rest, most, the next big chunk is probably combat, right? No. Uh, no, the well, I guess combat's I actually only like four pages. I see four yeah. pages combat. I see like eight pages on how to play. And they, re- I thought they did a really nice job of sort of... Yeah, it's five pages for combat. I feel like they did a nice job of sort of breaking down on the how to play, of mm-hmm. making it simple to understand, but not being completely boring for somebody who's been playing a long time. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't bored reading it, but I right. felt like I could have handed this to somebody who's never played before, and they would have been able to read it and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know? I thought, thought they, they walked a nice balance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's like, like, you know, one disclaimer that I'm going to put out there is I'm not, I'm not a new D&D play, you know, player, a new D&D DM, so I can't even begin to think about what this means to somebody who's just opening it up for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I know, as somebody who has played D&D a lot, and who played the playtests since some of the earliest days, uh, it was still really fun to read and kind of see, because mm-hmm. it's different than the playtest was. And I really enjoyed kind of reading and seeing and fe- you know, feeling like now I've got a solid version of D&D in my hands. Mm-hmm. Right. I did see uh, somebody posted online that they had tried to play the starter set because they had never played D&D before. Right. And they, they still weren't quite sure how to run the very first combat. Right. Um, the, the play examples weren't weren't um, good enough for them to understand how to actually do things. Like they understood. Lo- I think I saw. I'm talking about the same post tracing. Yeah, right. But I think one they, they, they understood logically what was supposed to happen. Like in their mind, they could think of it. But actually sitting at the table and trying to do it, it was hard to keep up and know where to look in the book and all that and and to actually make it seem coherent Mm -hmm. it was a mess it's kind of an interesting so one of the other sort of interesting slices in time that you know this comes in is because i think mike merles responded with or somebody responded with well we expect that they'll learn more online you know they can see actual play Mm -hmm. on youtube and they can you know if they want to spend any time and there's been a lot of discussion about is that a, a, a a suitable way to do it Mm-hmm. Or not. And, you know, I think everybody can kind of speculate and nobody really knows and every group is going to be different anyway. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's, it's, what, it is interesting that because of the per- pervasiveness of the internet and how it's affected this, this hobby, uh, we can't compare this to the release of previous ones, even, even 4E, mm-hmm. because so but much. But then isn't, has changed. so. Yeah, I agree, but so isn't it then a, di- a little disingenuous to tout on the box? Everything you need to play is in here, but then, you know, if you really want to well, learn how to play and you're brand new, you got to go online. Well, it was, yeah, it was true for me, right? Like, everything I needed to play was in the box. Mm-hmm. I opened it up. Right. I, I very specifically ran my first game with right. nothing but what was in but here. So that, the then that brings up the question, who's the target audience? Well, is right. the target audience people who already play D&D? Right. I think uh-huh. I would argue that 
this was a, a an easier introduction to D and D than anything else that I've seen. Mm-hmm. That's probably yeah. I, you know I, what? Is yeah, it, is I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I'm. I think I'm coming off a little harsh in this, but I just, you know, no, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, if 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 they're going to point people online, that should be to help them, not as a, you know, well, be. yeah, you have to do sure. this if you're a first time DM and you right. want to prep because right. our or, book just but, doesn't quite go far or enough. Or have that integrated into the product itself, which right, it, it sure. wasn't. Yeah, yeah, right. Was, like watch actual play videos at and then right. offer but, you. But yeah. we, it, it was we, we as a community thought. have been learning to play D and D. You know, when in our youth or whatever later in life. <laughs> For, for for way longer than than this product has been out, and right. we did it with a lo- with far inferior <laughs> products, and we seem to muddle through okay, and without the help of the internet. Right, those uh, poor yeah. bastards well, with the old first edition. Except, yeah. and that's mostly true. Except that I I know a lot of people talk about, and even uh, what Wizards of the Coast talked about for a while about how they didn't expect people to pick up a box and learn to play D anD D. They always expected somebody would introduce them. Right, mm-hmm. but the starter box is. Is is not meant to be, have somebody like a big sibling, an older sibling, or someone introduce you to D anD D. It's supposed to be itself. You pick it up in Target and you go home and you play D anD D. I don't think there's ever going to be a product that that can replace uh, an experienced person at the table to help teach everybody else what what to do. I I, I disagree. I yeah. don't think you can do it for this price. For this game, right? Like the the thing is, like, okay, how sure. many, well, how many different board games do we buy that nobody else has ever taught you how to play? And you sit down and you read the instructions, and you have lots of pieces, and you sit down and you play, and you manage to figure it out, even if no one teaches you how. About and, half. But the other half you screw up half the time and then you figure out how to do it better the next time, which right. is, or, which is or how you do what I do. Which is that's how you learn how to play D. Well, right. yeah. Which is you go to YouTube and watch somebody actually play it and go, Oh, that's how you right. play. Right. And <laughs> and that could very much be this way. Right. Um I mean again, I have no idea what actual you know, what the majority of new players will do when they open this box. And I have a friend of mine, the one that I was talking about played with his kids, and he wrote a really good review. And he's played D anD D before, but like he's kind of just played four E a, a few times, and he played D anD D a long time ago, and he wrote a pretty good review of what it was like. And he said, "Yeah, I kind of expected more help out of the box mm. for me to kind of get started playing, okay. and instead I actually had to sit and sort of read all the rules before I could sit and play." Yeah, I mean, and then I don't have that perspective, but I still say this is probably the best starter product we've seen for this no. game. Yeah, for D and I've never seen a starter project as good as this one. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm thinking I'm the only one that I really kind of had the same experience with was the uh, Redbox and Forey. Forey Redbox, and and the one thing that it had, and I think it was both, it was heavily critiqued for it at the time, is it had like the choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? That was mo- that yeah. was modeled after the 1982 Frank Mincer yeah. Redbox. Yeah, that's why. What did that have it? To? Well, that, yeah, that's that was the original one that had it had a choose your own adventure style thing, and as it went along, it helped you learn how to play. And then, right. then at some point, that ended, and then it had character creation. And then in the DM's book, it said, "Okay, now here's how the game really works. You're not alone. You're with a group, right. and you DM it. So one of you plays the monsters and all the other people in the world, and your friends will play these other people. And here's how you do that. And then it ran you through the rest of the dungeon, but you were the DM then, and you were running it for your friends." <laughs> And there's a there's a problem with that, which is that you're only really going to do that once. Like, in fact, right. Redbox had right. that problem. That was like, why. Yeah, that was that was the big critique. Right. Well, and the fact that you couldn't just take that character and move it over to the other line because there were some errors and stuff. But that's yeah, you right. know, yeah, yeah. Well, four E is a difficult mm-hmm. addition to do something. Yeah, like. right. Um, so I, I, you know, my my feeling is again, no, you know, I only speak for myself and my own opinion, and I don't know any other. Sure. You know, I've got I've got a statistical sample of one. Right? <laughs> that's um, all. That's all any of us can do, right? Well, no, yeah. I, mean, I have I have one other person who mm-hmm. was more new than I was who tried it, and, get, and he gave me his experiences. So that's the only real sample set mm-hmm. I've. Um, I think that, and you know, the, the other one we can maybe talk about is comparing it to the Pathfinder uh, beginner box. Yeah. Um, is that you know, it probably could do a little bit of a better job of kind of getting you into what all of the stuff means. Okay. You know, like even one sheet that kind of says, like, these are all the different parts of the character sheet and this is what they all mean, which is something the Pathfinder set had mm. and I thought was pretty mm-hmm. good. It's like the, the it had a two-page folio <laughs> for the character right. sheet with the character sheet in the center and then arrows that said, like, this is 
you know, when you attack, this is what you're going to use, and when you defend, you know, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. They, and this is like what that this in, word in former means. PHs and, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I will say that I ran a, a lot of new people, like some people who were brand new to D and D with the with this box, and. I mean, by and large, they were able to pick up the character sheet pretty quickly, although sometimes they, they kept forgetting to add their bonus to attack because they thought they just rolled a die. Um, <laughs> uh, so we had to keep reminding them about that stuff. But overall, it was pretty good, except for when it came to the spells part. Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, well, that was, yeah. oh. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, one of the difficulties we ran into is because only that the one booklet had the mm-hmm. descriptions of the spells, uh, Sometimes there was like uh, contention over somebody. Both people wanted to read it at the same time, and all that other stuff. Like one thing I did like about fourth edition was that everything could be on your character sheet, mm-hmm. and I think it could have helped some mm-hmm. uh, some of the players if if more of the information could have been somewhere. But I know also that the the, the character classes make that a little more difficult in this edition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's there, there's kind of another elephant in the room, which is you know D and D is not meant to be the simplest of RPGs, right? You know, it's got some com- some some mechanical depth and some complexity. And, like, and, and they've they've built different complexities in classes intentionally, right? Some yeah. classes are supposed to be easier to run than others, and maybe you don't hand the the wizard to the to the new player. Yeah. Well, if the whole table's new, that, yeah, no, no, absolutely, right. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I get what you're saying, but I'm yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. actually the cleric, and people were getting confused over the fact that uh, s- that some things were the reflex or like the save, and other things were the attack. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's you know spellcasting, and that that was you know kind of one of the things that I that I honed in on, and and think that you know any everybody that's going to play this should do is really spend some time understanding the spellcasting system, and and at least read through the spells, so you have a loose idea of what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly because the whole idea of what you know, spells you know, spells you prepared, and spells you're casting are are all different, you mm-hmm. know, and and it's like I get confused, yeah, <laughs> and I've been doing it for a long time, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean this as like a huge negative or anything. I'm just pointing out yeah. problems that we actually did have mm-hmm. at the table. Yeah, That's right, fair. right, right, and yeah, some I, I I don't know, yeah, I don't know that there's much more they could do with it. I think you're right. You know, certainly. Yeah, I mean, there are, there have been versions of pre-gen character sheets in the past where they've actually had the yes, the, the, the spell, spell. yeah, mm-hmm. the spell information actually on the back of the sheet or whatever. Yeah, they right. filled it up with all this other stuff so that you can actually level them up to was it fifth level right. just using the pre-gen sheets. Um, so there wasn't you know probably enough space to do that here. Um, you know, so they made they they made a choice to have one thing and, and not another thing, and, and um, maybe that makes life a little harder. Yeah. But I, I guess, yeah, I, I feel like for me, this was a really good way for me to feel like I had a solid edition of D&D in my hands. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how well, you know, how well it will work for brand new people. But again, like, you know, so my, my friend was, was relatively, you know, I'd say relatively critical of it. And then next thing you know, I'm watching post after post after post of his kids having a hell of a time going through fighting goblins. So just mm-hmm. like so just it seemed like the to first, work out. Yeah, just like the first time I played Lords of Waterdeep, you struggle through it the first time, <laughs> yeah, and right. the next time you're having a blast. Mm-hmm. So. Right, right. So yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Any other uh, thoughts on the the rule book itself or the rules um, before we get into the adventure? Um, well, the uh, the conditions on the back is brilliant. It's nice to have that because you just have it sitting there and you don't have to flip through and find them in different pages. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that was a good design choice. Uh, and the second thing was sort of related to the adventure. There's lots of stuff in the adventure that could maybe be considered rules. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think the starter set rule book is not a complete picture of the rules but I don't, I don't think it was meant to no. be so that's that's okay it's not meant as a criticism just an informational and, and, you know. and without getting too much into the adventure I feel like that was done intentionally that they're, te- right. they're, they're teaching you absolutely. some of the rules as you play the absolutely. game absolutely so yeah. I, I'm sort of trying to contrast that with the whole discussion mm-hmm. of well is it really for a starter person well Maybe the starter set rulebook part of it, it tries to use language that assumes that you're a new per, a new player, but then you see there there sort of also is this overarching thing where they kind of are assuming you're a new person, and so some things that are the more difficult concepts they try to walk you through a little a little more as the DM when you're going through the adventure. So I think that's a positive thing. They at least they they put on a good you know. They made a really good effort at it. I'm, I don't know because I'm not a new player. I don't know how successful it is, but they did a really good job of trying. 
Yeah, I don't think there's too much in the adventure book that should be in the starter set or the starter rule book. Sorry, no, I, I, I don't. I don't mean it like that. I I just mean it more like when it when it gets to a point where some where a particular rule might be utilized, it'll remind you in the adventure itself. Okay, this was the mm. part that we talked about in the starter rule book where it had this, and then sometimes it gives tips about how to deal with that in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Right. So. The one thing that I thought was interesting that's in the, the the adventure book and not in the main book is inspiration. You know, and oh, I guess yeah, that's, that's yeah, mainly because yeah. it's a that's mainly because it's a DM thing. But like I <coughs> I guess I was looking for it and I thought it wasn't in here at all. Mm-hmm. And one reason why is that the character sheet doesn't list it, and I think the printable character sheet online does. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a sidebar in this where it's kind of a main rule in the mm-hmm. in the basic you know the basic rules. And I think that's that may also be a bit of them trying to start simple and add complexity as you yeah, go, right? Or or maybe the print runs were different. <laughs> like they put a different emphasis maybe. on it mm. over time, so hard to say. All right. Shall we get into the adventure? Sure. sure. All yeah. right. The Lost Mines the Lost Mine of Fandelver. Uh intended to go from levels one to four, is that right? Five. I five. Five? Yeah. Oh, does it get you all the way to five? Yep. So levels one through five um, in four parts. Mike, you've run it. Tracy, you've run it. Somebody tell us what is the Lost Mine Lost Mine of Fandelver about? You can go, Mike. Oh, I don't want to go. <laughs> um, so, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Should we just say a spoiler? Goblins. Like- Spoilers? Yeah, so spoilers. Yeah, yeah we're, we're doing. Going to be spoiling the adventure. I don't anticipate it to be super spoilery, um, yeah. but be warned. I'm gonna have. Do you to- want me to? Do you want me to do the grand overview, and then you sure. you can talk yeah. about? Okay, so the grand overview is several hundred years ago, the, some gnomes and dwarves discovered this fantastic mine, and they made a pact that they would both. Uh, um, profit equally from this mine and so the mine was worried and there was some big sort of well of spells or something some sort of magical oasis in there that could be tapped and humans came along and they also sort of joined in and and were were trying to do well with this mine and uh then some orcs came from the north and they swept across the whole region and they killed everyone and um, and the the mine was closed down, and uh, the area was basically deserted um, for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Recently, the area uh, has been expanded into, and it's starting to become more civilized and more populated. And three brothers have now, and over the years, the legend of the lost mine has has sort of been churning around in everyone's sort of collective psyche. And so occasionally an adventurer will go looking for it, and no one has ever found the entrance. It was well hidden and yada, yada, yada. Um, so it's this big mysterious place with lots of power that no one has now had access to for hundreds of years. Recently, the area is becoming more civilized, and towns are sprouting up, and uh, people are moving in more and more into the area, and it turns out three brothers find the entrance to this mine. They realize what they found, and they decide they're going to um, exploit it and claim it and and use it to better the area and uh, for the profit of Fandolin and all that. Fandolin's the name of the town near the area and, and all that kind of stuff, and so they go to get equipment. And on the way – and it turns out there's a, a person who is relatively evil who um, overhears or follows them or is spying on them or something, figures out that they have found something really important and valuable and um, basically kidnaps one of them to get directions to this particular mine, to the, to the mine opening. And meanwhile, the party members are hired or know someone or however you choose to get the, the party to this area. They are traveling on their way to go to, to the town, Fandolin, uh, to exchange information. They're escorting a caravan, something like that. You can use any they're kind of – Yeah, they're under it's the like, employee of yeah, one of the dwarves. Right, and so uh, you get ambushed, and you f- you learn over the, through the first adventure that um, this particular evil, big bad evil guy has uh, captured one of the dwarves, and now has a map to the mine. And so now you have to go 
well, that's actually part of the second adventure. Anyway, that's the basic story of it. So you're going to go eventually and find this this mine and go in and try to stop uh, the big bad evil guy from taking over. That's the that's the and, umbrella. And figure out what sure. happened to the, the to the various dwarf brothers. <laughs> figure out what happened to the to the dwarves who were who had found the 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 uh, opening again. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So there's a lot about this adventure that I really like. I don't know how much it's awesome for new people um, as we've had that conversation a lot, but there's a lot here that I find really interesting and that I want to dig into. It kind of opens with a more linear story with part one, then part two and three suddenly become a lot more sandbox ish. And then it finishes off, you know, with a dungeon delve and it becomes more linear, of course, by, by that point. Um, and so I'm really sort of intrigued to, to see that, right? Part one is, you know, hey, these goblins are over here. Let's go, let's go take them out and get a clue. Part two is really more of a location. Here's the town, and there's some stuff going on in this town and some stories that you might interact with. Uh, and you might be introduced to a bunch of other stories that you deal with in part three, right? And it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tracy and Mike, who've, who've run it, it seems like part two and three could kind of go back and forth interchangeably. Hmm. Well, I didn't. So I've only run parts one and two. Okay. I, I ran part one twice, maybe three times, and I've run part two only once. Okay. And no, I've I've played. I'm sorry, I ran it twice and played in it once, and it, then it just feels like in, in, part, in two. part two you could get a hook for an adventure in part three or for a location yes. in yes. part three, run off and yeah. do it, and then come there back to part two. Yeah, there are good hooks yeah. that connect all of them together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think during Kineticon that that did happen where some tables got slightly ahead, sure, mm-hmm. uh, because they ended up following a hook that was in a in part three or so. And I and right. I think I like that because it feels more sandboxy. Like if you want to go through and do everything, you can comb yeah. through this thing with a, with a fine tooth comb and, and really get it all, or you can you know follow the natural hooks and go straight to the end. And and that's I'm okay with that too, um, mostly because I don't worry about experience points <laughs> and so there they, yeah. they would, they there's would, actually an interesting point about experience yeah points. they would be the appropriate yeah. level when they when they got there for me yeah. but you know yeah. right and and that's and, and tracy you know probably saw this in action too that's that's all well and good if you're playing with the same group over a number yeah. of sessions sure. and not as good if you are playing an organized play event where people are switching table to table yes and and they're like wait a minute where are you what happened you know yeah like, it was oh, sure. these weird sort of like parallel I, splinter universes. I can see how a sandboxy thing would be problematic in organized play. Yeah. We had to keep uh, rebalancing tables depending on which parts of two and three they had already seen. <laughs> and I ended up running uh, for somebody who had already played part of it. Uh, and they're in the manor. Uh, and I <laughs> fortunately, the, the person who had DM'd this group before was one of the players in this game and he could tell me what things they had or hadn't done mm-hmm. because there are, there are things that if the, if the players do X, even at the very beginning when they first enter that can, you know, yeah. affect things later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so we, there's some weird, and, and you, you talked about the first, the first adventure being linear, but there's actually a lot of different things that can happen in that first adventure mm-hmm. yeah. because it's pretty, you know, it's it's not a sandbox like it's a bunch of goblin caves, but the way you can approach that is so different. Sure. So I ran a home game, and uh, m- you know, Michelle, my wife, uh, played a character who tamed one of the three wolves that attacks you, and it you know it was kind of a major NPC that kind of saved them at the end and stuff, mm. and she adopted it. So then she goes to the next group, and the other group, you know, she's like, you know, well, I have this pet wolf that's following me around. He doesn't do anything; he just hangs around. And they're like, what's that? And he says, this is the wolf from the cave. Like, no, we killed those three wolves. Like, you, you know, oh, my God, we'd never have those wolves with us. So you get these sort of weird discontinuities. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you have mm-hmm. clean breaks in the adventures, there's these discontinuities about what happened from adventure to adventure. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because um, I hear conversation that makes me think this would not be a great organized play adventure. And yet, on the other hand, there are things in it that make me feel like are there largely for organized play. Like what? Um, so there's multiple points where you have the opportunity to be invited into an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that is them introducing the factions that are going to be in it in the Adventure League um, yes. stuff. On, it, the, on the other hand, I really like it for my home game too because, I mean, that's a, an awesome like story reward. 
that can happen from from what the players are doing. Hey, you're now a Harper, or you're now this, or you're now that, right? That's really cool, and I and I I think it has value in a non-organized play set system or setup mm-hmm. or whatever. But it felt very much to me like, oh, that's why they have like six different introductions to different organizations that you could stumble into being invited into is because yeah. of the factions in the organized play. Yeah, and we and when I ran it at Kineticon, we were given. Uh, DMs were given the list of the factions mm-hmm. uh, with the descriptions to help with the players, and we were told that, you know, if if they wanted decided to make this an adventurous character, that they probably should have a faction at some point before they left the con. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's like official all the way through, because uh, it was a it wasn't quite exactly run by uh, like RPGA or anything, but but yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's really it's really hard to say because we don't really know very much about organized play at this point. I mean, we know quite a bit, but we don't know enough to know how really how important it'll be to have a faction. I mean, I apparently, think, I think you know, it could, it, I mean, that could be someone's opinion who thinks, oh, it's going to be really important, but maybe it's not really that important. I don't. Yeah, know, you know. I think it, even if it is fairly important, it's going to be the kind of thing where if they jump into the adventure and say, oh, what's your faction? And they're like, oh, I don't have one. Then they'll say, here's a list. Pick one. You know, it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. going to be a huge deal, you know, yeah. but well, I, I feel yeah. like this is a nice like because none of them are like super easy to do. Like it's not just you interact with this person and you and you do a quest for them. No, it's you you interact with the person, you do a quest for them in a very mm-hmm. specific way mm-hmm. and then return to them and there's an opportunity that that one of you could be invited to join this this organization right. or whatever. Uh, and so right. I feel like you could run through it and maybe one player over the course of the whole adventure might be invited into an organization, but if they are, like there that's just a little nugget in the in the adventure that I think adds to the story of a larger campaign and into the characters that could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what, but see, that's why I think it's suited for home play and not as much. That like, may be, and I'm and I'm looking know. at the at this whole thing um, as somebody who doesn't generally do organized play. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever do is is maybe once or twice uh, a year when I sit down at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm not really an organized right. play person, but as as somebody looking to run an adventure in my home, um, I'm really interested in this one. Mm-hmm. And it's got for those who like. I'm, I know Sam hates the Forgotten Realms, but for those of us who <laughs> Who like the Forgotten Realms or, or you know, tolerate Mike, it. Mike Shea spreading lies since 2015. <laughs> <laughs> um, that the, the, the factions are kind of a neat way to tie a little bit deeper into Forgotten Realms. So even if you are playing in a home game where they're not quite part of this whole organized sort of system, hmm. they are still kind of a, a hook to kind of say, you know, I'd kind of like to know more about these crazy Zinterim folk. You at, know, the, at the same the time, Harpers. though, I don't feel like... As a realms person, I, I thought it was fairly light-handed on the realms lore. Yes, you know? it is, but it's enough it's, to kind of say, enough, well, there's, yeah. there's but, more here than than we're saying. But I, but I also feel like it's it's like you could say, hey, you were invited to to join, you know, the Harpers or whatever, um, and you could do that in, in in your own setting and just you know make up this organization that yeah, kind of that kind of fits the, the vague right. description that they include right. in here that, that is all you really need. Yeah, I mean they they do make it very explicit that this adventure is written to be in the Forgotten Realms and it has this that and the other thing, but but they you're right it's not so oppressive. It's it, real portable. It's not, it's not yeah it's not so it's not so oppressively done or or oppressive is the wrong word. It, it's not so. Heavy-handed, heavy hand, heavy hand, yeah. that y- that you have to run it in the realms. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, you know, I mean, any 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 DM could take any adventure and translate it, you know, for the most part, translate it to there. But this would be very easy to, even with the factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like the part two, they describe it kind of more as a wild west town rather mm-hmm. than. Then mm-hmm. saying this is the Forgotten Realms and blah right. blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, as a realms person, um, none of the locations being discussed are anything. I mean, other than um, you know, you're coming from Waterdeep, right? Obviously, I know Waterdeep, yeah. but like mm-hmm. uh, Fandolin and the mine of Fandelver and all that kind of stuff. None of that was on my radar before. Yeah, Neverwinter is right. on there. Yeah, as a, as a place kind of as a place that's nearby, but not an actual location right. for the adventure. Right. So I think you start from Neverwinter, don't you? Or yeah, some- you you're you're you're. Uh, 
accompanying the caravan from Neverwinter was to Neverwinter. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was Waterdeep, but that's uh, whatever. I mean, yeah. it's not part of the adventure. It's just a name yeah. in the adventure. If you don't know anything about it, it's just the name of a town. Because it's so. but it is you know not not Water, to get all Waterdeep's product-y. not too far yeah. off the map to the south. So mm-hmm. right. right, not to get all producty, but it is kind of a nice hook into whatever they're going to do with mm-hmm. the realms. You know, right. it's just. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, I, I know that place. That and, was in the starter adventure. And that brings up right. an interesting point. Because um, what I really want to do is I, I really um, am interested in this adventure and want to run this as my first 5th edition adventure. Um, do you think the levels would be set up as such that I can run this as my first adventure and then go into Tyranny of Dragons? Or are we going to have to start back over at first level? Well, well didn't we'll see Wolfgang Bauer kind of answered that, right? Did he? Didn't he say in in the interview that, that, interview? The, that the Tome Show the Tome Show conducted an interview with uh, with Wolfgang Bauer and Steve Winter? In case you haven't listened to it yet, um, I think that didn't they say, or maybe it was Mike Merles who mentioned it. But uh, on one of those, they said Tyranny of Dragons starts at level one, but if you've already gone through something like Fandelver, you can easily just skip the first portion of that, Ooh. and it doesn't cut very much out. I, I distinctly remember hearing that somewhere or seeing it somewhere from an official – You know, it wasn't just somebody guesstimating. It was an official somebody who knew. thing. Yeah, someone who was in the know. Um, so it's, it does start, I think, at level one, so you wouldn't necessarily – you'd have to cut some things out, I think. Okay. I can, at least I that can was my that. impression. Yeah, but Tyranny of Dragons is such a huge. I mean, that's the two books, and you'd only be dropping, you know, the first little portion of the well, first I, book. I will, so. I will. When we get to reviewing Tyranny of Dragons, which mm-hmm. I, we're going to be really busy the next two or three months <laughs> mm-hmm. <I laughs> with know. all the core books coming out and Tyranny of Dragons, but I want to, I want to look at all of them. Um, but I think we're just going to be really swamped. So um, the, um, yeah. but yeah, I th- I, that's something that we'll have to look at when when it comes so out. One, is, one one thing about like you know can you go from this to the other because the flat math is there so so I'll give one other mm-hmm. instance where this kind of mattered which is when I so I, I have a personal opinion about level one characters in D and D in fifth edition <laughs> which is that they're they're a little squishy yeah sure. they yeah. they're 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 kind of delicate well and that's and, that's because of the whole f- levels one through three being the sort of apprentice starter level, yeah right? but ones in particular yeah. <laughs> right like yeah. one through three is one thing but getting killed with two goblin arrows. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's something else. So uh, I really didn't want people's first impression of D&D 5th edition to be, wow, my character died with two goblin arrows. So I went ahead and said, you start at two because you don't get a whole lot at two and it wouldn't totally imbalance the whole rest of it. And one is so fast in, in experience gain anyway that it's going to balance <laughs> out over the long time mm-hmm. anyway. So I, I wonder right. whether or not you could kind of do the same thing with, with Tyranny of Dragons, which is if you started, I don't know if you'd start at fifth though. That's like it's meant to be a one to sixteen, I think. Yeah, but you, I wonder if you couldn't, um, because of the flatter math and and whatever. I wonder yeah. if because you know, as somebody you again, as, as somebody who doesn't use experience points, right? Right. Could I have him do part one at first level of Fandelver, and then part two second, part three third, part four fourth, and then they're starting. I guess they would still be starting at fifth, wouldn't they? At the at the end of you, yeah, and you probably could. Um, but that's pretty far off. Like that's you know five levels is a lot different than being two or three levels off. So I don't know. We'll have to see when it comes out. Yeah, I wonder if I. Yeah, well, we will. So I, I, I guess there's not much point in, in really digging into it now because we'll be able to figure that out when we actually have a product in our hands, yeah. which, but, which but, shouldn't be too long now, right? No, <laughs> I, I got a note from my game store saying they already had the organized play part of it. Awesome. Yeah. So it's clearly but, uh, parts of it are out. But bringing up XP. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting in the adventure is they do XP at least two different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the first part of the adventure is you get XP for completing that section, and then at least uh, second part, and I think after that, you get XP for uh, encounters. Yeah, I, I actually right. That was that was interesting to me, and also that hosed up my organized play <laughs> sessions. <laughs> because they they skipped a lot of fights in the final one, and there's mm-hmm. kind of supposed to be three by the third one, right. and they they weren't. They were like 300 experience shy, and I'm like, guess what? You just got 300 experience for a quest <laughs> reward. Well done, and <laughs> you know, because I'm like, I, I want to, I don't want them to be underpowered when they go to the next group. Well, and and it actually, I mean, what's nice is that it's it says as you're going into parts, they should be at about this level by this point, mm-hmm. uh, and if they're not, you know. 
give them the experience or give them this reward or have them go do something else or whatever. And, I, and I'm like, this is just them moving closer and closer to what I'm already doing anyway, which yeah. is give them the level when it's, when it's appropriate to the story and forget about the whole encounter thing or whatever, you know? Well, and I kind of think that they only put the XP per creature killed or whatever they have in there uh, as train, you know, if the DM decides, okay, this is the other way to do this. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's sort of one of those training things. They've, they've got you on training yes. wheels. So at the first part, they just say, okay, if the players did this or when they finish this part, just give them this amount. Cause you don't have to worry about calculating how it was calculated. Yeah. But by the time you get to the end, they, they want you, yeah, they want you to be worried about or at least thinking about how how much experience is is provided by doing certain things and killing certain creatures and i, and I think that's so. actually good i noticed that as well that mm-hmm. that you start the the you know in part 1 it's you have this encounter they defeated these things given this amount mm-hmm. of experience by the right. time you get to the end it's they defeated these things look it up in the monster mm-hmm. section and fi- figure out how much experience is worth and they sort of walk you through the steps of being able to figure this out on your own yeah. so when you're done you know maybe you maybe you've got a good handle on that yeah and, I, and isn't there isn't there a section that actually says if they're not a if they're not this level, you can design some, you know, throw some extra goblins or something. I can't yeah, remember. Maybe, I I, maybe I'm thinking of them. Yeah. Just to get them up so that if you want to do it and have them earn it per creature, then you can do that or you can just award it to and them. And I also like the fact, you know, Tracy, you mentioned the, that there's uh, quest rewards and that kind of stuff as well. And I like that idea because it is emphasizing that you can give experience point awards for more than just killing stuff. Right, that that there are story points that you can achieve, and still mm-hmm. get the the reward for it, and I, and I like that. I like the idea of, of encouraging uh, alternative things to to get rewarded. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's D and D, so it's a combat game. I'm okay with getting XP for killing stuff too, but it's not just killing stuff, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, my my feeling is like I'm immediately going to go to just awarding levels at. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's not a question. Like I'm, I'm, done. I'm done doing math. No, yeah, no, with experience I'm, points, I'm over that already. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I sometimes think otherwise is, um, you know, I want to. Part of me gets 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 uh, immature and vengeful and wants to punish players who don't show up and say, ha, you didn't get experience, <laughs> and now you're further behind. And then I, re, you know, I calm down and realize, no, we're all adults and we come when we can. It's okay. <laughs> 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 Yeah, right. That's yeah. I want to do everything I can to get them to come to my game. Right? <laughs> not the opposite. I never Wait. want to give them a reason not to come. Right. You could use the inspiration point system for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anything else on the adventure? I think I, it ha- I think I, I, I really had, like it. I thought it had some really nice twists and turns. Yeah. I, I felt like the story went in, in some interesting places. Uh, they also um, very purposely set it up to have a future. Like, this is not an entirely mm-hmm. self-contained story. Not only are these different organizations that you can end up right. joining over the course that could lead you to other things, but there are villains that may escape, you know, and right. become things later on and, and become recurring. Or there's others, you know, they give you hints at other larger plots uh, afoot, if you will. Um, so I, I feel like it's, it is intended to be a, here's five levels to start a campaign. Now enjoy mm-hmm. the next 15. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that it, it has some... Um, very sort of traditional, you know, that it's got some traditional elements in it, like, you know, mm-hmm. accompanying a caravan um, and fighting goblins. You know, that's the traditional sort of first yeah. through and, second and level. And I will, point out, I will point out for Mike's sake, it has both dungeons and a dragon. And, yes, and it dragon, does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, but I think, you know, that it's um, – I think they did a good job of, of sort of adding lots of traditional elements in there to make it, you know, sort of the – this is a horrible word that the expected D and D experience, Ar- you know, mm. the art, the archetypal, yeah, D and D experience. Because I think they, and at the same time, it has some new and interesting things in there. You know, uh, spoilers. The the whole uh, the the cave. The what is it called? A wave. wave what is it? Too. Wave echo. Yeah, the way it gets its name is really interesting and fun, and you can do fun things with that. And and I think there's some good elements in here. To teach a new DM how to run sort of a – even with, with the very first uh, – the Cragmaw Cave, mm-hmm. it has some interesting elements that you get practice you know, describing different things and letting the characters try things and figuring out how to do those. And it's, it seems simplistic, but 
if you are a newer, maybe not brand new, but if you're a newer player even or a newer DM, that kind of thing really helps. And the fact that it's got traditional elements in it also helps because it's recognizable tropes, mm -hmm. you know, pit traps, time. snare traps, things like that. Go ahead, Tracy. Although I would say that I think sometimes they are a little too traditional. I, we don't have to talk mm -hmm. about it uh, too much here, but I don't disagree. Uh, it's not really an adventure that I would run if I didn't have to. Uh, I mean, I like, so the Goblin Cave was a lot of fun, and the part that you're talking about, Sam, is definitely an interesting thing, yeah. but it's just so overwhelming to me. Like, I did a blog post on my blog and just listed the named characters, and mm -hmm. the male list is at least two to three times longer than yeah. the and female un list. And unnecessarily. I made note of yeah. that as well. Yeah. It, it was pretty glaring to the point that I'm like, yeah. half of these characters easily could have been female. There's no reason they had to be yeah. male. Uh, well, in, so let in, me in clarify the that when I'm talking about traditional things, I don't mean traditional in a, as in the way that D&D &D has always been done. I, I mean things like goblins it, at first level and, and caravans. Mm -hmm. And right. yeah, I, I agree with you. It was pretty obvious. I don't, I don't know if I noticed because, because it was so glaring like some novels that we've read recently um, <laughs> or if I if, or if I specifically noticed because I knew I would be discussing it with you Tracy yeah I know um, but, but I, I, I did notice that very very clearly that I'm like I'm reading through it and I'm like why why does this character have to be a male just like that character was a male and that uh, like I can think of about one character that needs to be the gender that character is for the story mm -hmm. and everybody else doesn't have to be. And that, I mean, that's something easy to change. Um, right. As and, long as it doesn't feed into other adventures, which right. is, which and, was one of the, and things. the, and, mm -hmm. and the addition to this point and, and, and the adventure to some degree, uh, yes, I look through the artwork and whatever, um, it, it makes progress on where D and D has been in those regards. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are certain things that could have been, um, better balanced. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying the adventure was horrible or anything. Like, we definitely had a lot of fun with the goblins. Yeah. Uh, and and because that was the main part I got to actually play. So I know for sure we had fun mm -hmm. there. We had not as much fun in the manor, but that's fine too. Like, there just wasn't as many places to interact. Most of my players kept a goblin alive to to interrogate. So that constant interaction was a lot more fun for them, where we didn't get that as much in the manor. Sure. Uh, but... Like, yeah, I don't think it's a horrible adventure. It just, it's not, it, it wasn't in keeping with some of the things that they said that they, they want from D&D right. now. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but the artwork was great, I thought. Yeah. Um, and Sam, you mentioned how much it's, it's a good adventure for starting DMs or starting groups or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, I feel like there's a lot of cool stuff here for an experienced DM Mm -hmm. That you can even ramp up to the to another level. You know, I'm pretty comfortable with the game, but there's still a lot here. Like it's not simplified. There's all these unique and interesting things that I can pull into my game, uh, and and you know, explore a little more than than maybe I would if mm -hmm. I was new and be like, okay, well, this is a thing, and now let's move on. You know, I'm, oh yeah, I'm yeah. more willing as a, as a more experienced game to say, yeah, let's sort of delve into that, and I'll make it up and go. I think it, it's really good in terms of balance in that way, right? I think it right, can, it can right. play to the to the newer DM, but it can also there's a lot there to do as an experienced DM, right? And so I think that the takeaway from that is this adventure uh, does a lot of things right in terms of showing how certain elements of the game that that yeah. you kind of think of as part of D and D, how they fit into this edition. And so for that in that is, way yeah. right, in that way it talks to experienced DMs. But it also goes a long way towards trying at least the I I've only really played around with the first part, though I've read the rest of it. But you know, at least the first part is pretty decent in terms of trying to get a new DM to understand, well here's how this sort of thing works play around yeah. with it and try to get it to work so that it's fun for your group. Mm -hmm. so even just the this description of how to do the traps on the trail mm -hmm. was great. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you, you like how, um, not to be overly spoilery, so people be warned, uh, you like <laughs> how they try to freak you out in the last part for experienced players? They try to freak you out by making you think there's a beholder in there? <laughs> Right, I mean, there's a point where you can find mm -hmm. out about there's some there's some floating 
eye creature yeah, with tentacles. A spectator, right? Well, yeah. So that's yeah, that's, the, that's yeah. what the creature that's is. The spoiler part. Yeah. yeah. But 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 they but you can actually run into an NPC who like warns you. Oh, there's this monster in this other area, and that's why they never go in there. And it's this floating orb thing mm-hmm. with eye with stalks tentacles. all over it. And yeah. Whatever. And, yeah. and you know, I could see a group of fourth level players. Yeah. Or like, we're done. That. We leave. Uh, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's brilliant. I think I not. So they, they, You'd they, have to be clear, like, well, it only has four eye stalks. No, no, no. <laughs> I, like, I, small. I, I, I like the whole idea of let's throw the experienced players into a tizzy you know, <laughs> and, with this really iconic <laughs> thing, right? I mean, what, this what, is, beholders are iconic D&D. So let's throw that at them and then at the same time defy their expectations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean – I found so so much like you guys were saying. Like I, I I really like the adventure because it does feel like a simple, straightforward adventure. But what I've noticed is playing with an experienced group, all of us were still having a really good time with it. Yeah, and you know it's a it's a fun even though it's very particularly the first the first adventure, which you know I've run twice and I don't know how many more times I want to run it. Um, but you know it's so straightforward of like yeah you're guarding a caravan caravan gets attacked by goblins you go to the goblin cave and you beat on you beat on them and their boss and it's so you know normal for it's so typical for a D&D adventure but it's still like a lot of people are like how do you you know what do we do with the wolves and you know how do we mm-hmm. you know which way do we go and how do we negotiate with them for hostages and all this sort of fun stuff that that has changed in both mm-hmm. of the times I've run it Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other three adventures have a lot of freedom in them to to do different things. Like, uh, uh, you know, I think Tracy, you were talking about the second adventure or the second dungeon not being quite as uh, dynamic from an NPC perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but when our group ran it, they allied with the Nothic that's there, and mm-hmm. it started sending them off on quests. And they <laughs> ended up giving the glass staff to it so it could go seek, you know, become its wizardly way, you know, go back to its wizardly ways. Right. So. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of interesting sort of stuff that happened in 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 that group, and there is um, like droop or whatever. Yeah, right. Although, uh, yeah, my group never even went to him. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what's interesting. Is like you know, I think I think every time it feels to me like there's enough in this that you could run it actually a, a multiple times and kind of get different things different out of it each. Time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um. The other the other thing I want to say about the whole starter set is that to me this is a great way to package up. D&D to bring to conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to bring three giant core books with me everywhere I go, but, you know, I can take these two thin books and, the you, you know, some pregens, and off I go. And I have enough monsters that I could run my own thing. I also have enough dungeons that I could turn them 90 degrees and shake everything up and no one would know that it's the same dungeon mm-hmm. I ran before. And uh, it's just, it feels like a nice compact version of D&D. I always like I always like that. I like that with the red box too. Mm-hmm. That it was like a nice way to carry around a version of D and D that wasn't complete by any means, but had all the components I needed to run a D and D game. So you mentioned, you mentioned two more things that I wanted to mention that that I was really um, pleased with. Um, one of the things you mentioned was pregens because I feel like the pre I, I like that they built story into the pregens that ties to the adventure. Even if it's fairly yeah, light. that was that was a big deal. Yeah, because yeah, because I mean the the pregens don't have to be artificially hooked, you know, with you know you're approached and you're hired to do this thing. Let's just get into it, uh, because they've got a natural hook uh, in within their background to to you know just in the what is it the traits bonds flaws you know that sort of right. section. Mm-hmm. There's just a, a each one has just a little something that connects into something else in the story. Um, but let me but let me interrupt you for a second and say if you're a DM who's thinking about running this, make sure you read those pregens yeah, because I if you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what the what, what hooks the hooks are, and you don't you can really pull on those hooks if you know what they are. If you don't even know they're there, it's yeah. really tough. And because the book really, as we said earlier, really only mentions things like you know inspiration and traits and flaws as a little sidebar in the you know. In the adventure book, it doesn't really prompt you to go read, you know, the NPC sheets. But I, I suggest everybody do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the other thing that that you brought up was the glass staff, uh, which reminded me of magic items. Um, the way they handle magic items as an example in this adventure for what how magic items are going to work for the fifth edition. Uh, I think is is awesome. Like this is the the way I've been trying to kind of do doing magic items for a while now. Um, you know, there is no 
you know, I, I'm looking at, at page 48 here where you, in the treasure section and you don't have just a plus one mace. You mm-hmm. have a light bringer, right. which happens to be a plus one mace, but it's got this story behind it right. uh, and these other little quirks that it has as well. The, so the magic items matter, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I really like the way they've done that. Like, I don't think there's a single magic item that's not named, you know, except maybe the wand of magic missiles, you know, which is still a really Kick-ass which, yeah, wand. <laughs> which is, yeah, it has a lot of cool it's stuff. It's like the most powerful wand of magic missiles I can think about. So, mm-hmm. no, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see the way they've, they've introduced magic items here because it's exactly the way I want to see them handle magic items. Yeah. I think, I think I've talked about everything I want to talk about. Anybody else have anything to, to talk about? Because we're at an hour three. There's one thing I'd like to say. Yes. So when we ran, there was uh, this uh, man had brought his daughter with with uh, him and she didn't want to play for us. She was just like, you know, I'll just watch. I'll just watch. So the DM gave her a character sheet and said, Hey, anytime you want to just, you know, start playing, feel free. Within five minutes, she was talking, like (laughs) trying to plan things with the rest of the table. Uh, Within 15, she was playing by the end of the, she kept playing. Like, I think she played at least four sessions by the end of the weekend. (laughs) I saw her walking away with a starter set box under her arm. Nice. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Nice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Sam, Mike, any any last thoughts? Uh, I really, you know, I I, I really like it. Um, yeah, I think it's great, and I'm I'm happy I bought it. I'm happy to give it to to, to people that I that I like, and uh, um, I think it's a I think it's a really fun it's a really fun package. Awesome. Uh, my last my last thought is uh, it's cheap enough for you to go buy it, and if you're interested at all in what Fifth Edition is going to bring, this is a pretty good uh, little package that shows you what Fifth Edition is going to bring. And it's different from getting a basic D and D PDF from online and printing it. You know, it's it's got really nice art. It's it's a pretty good production. You know, they 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 have better editing than many of the four e books. Um, if you're a four E player, and and it you know it's just a nice little kit, and and I recommend getting it if you're interested at all. If you're not interested, then I, I'm, you're probably not you're still not listening, listening to this podcast. podcast so, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so you know, some four E players might might have not liked what they've heard or seen That's or true. whatever about this this edition, and you know, if you're a four E player and you're yeah. at, if you're at all curious, fifteen bucks or twenty bucks is not too much to spend, or twelve dollars, like. I got mine off of Amazon, twelve dollars. Go through the Tome Show link. Um, you know, that's not too much to, to ask to, to get a nice view of the game. If you then decide you still don't like it, well, you know, that's great. Just keep playing four E. Yeah, very good. All right, so that's all of our thoughts. Then I'm going to call this the end of this episode. I want to thank Sam Dillon and Mike Shea for joining us. Woo! Thank you. Sam is places. Mike is places. We talk to them all the time, so you know where yeah. they are. You know where um, we are. And we have them linked on, well, we have Sam linked on our about page. We should link, <laughs> link Mike as well since you're a, a, a co-host on Behind the Dean Screen. Yay. Um, I also want to thank Noble Knight for their support. And I want to thank all of you for supporting the show, either through shopping at Noble Knight and letting them know that you heard about them through us, or using the affiliate links for Amazon or, or D&D Classics over on our website. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Show notes and other great Tome Show shows are at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 240, where we launched a new edition of D&D in this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm not a